I just want to read one verse with you from the Bible, the Word of God, and it's fairly well known to most in the book of Galatians, the epistle to the Galatians, and in chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20 reads like this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These have been the words upon my mind this week, ever just from Monday morning. And we feel led to read them even this afternoon in your company. These closing words of this text of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to tell you, dear friends, that there is no message like the message of the gospel. It is the greatest message that you will ever hear. The Son of God, it tells of the greatest person that ever lived here, the very Son of God himself. He is without peer. He is all precious to God, his Father in heaven. And we make him known to you in the preaching of the gospel. There is no person like him. And there is no love like his. For it is the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. His love surpasses all human loves. His love cannot be measured or defined or understood. And yet many of us in the car park this afternoon, the speaker included, have appreciated his love for me. No greater person, no greater love, no greater sinner. The Apostle Paul who wrote these words said in another place, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. No greater sinner. You know the gospel message is for sinners. It is for sinners that Jesus Christ came. It is sinners that Jesus Christ loved. And wonder of wonders is that he gave himself for me. No greater sacrifice than to give oneself on behalf of another. You know, there's a greater wonder. The Apostle Paul could say these words, but the speaker tonight, this afternoon, can say these words. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so it is a privilege for you to hear the message. I will say just in passing for the Christians, Galatians 2 and 20, although we'll consider the final part of the verse, the, the real import of the verse is not so much his life for me, but the import of Galatians chapter 2 and 20, you can consider it when you go home, is my life for him. And so there is a challenge even for the believers who have gathered this afternoon as we consider his life for me and his laying down and sacrificial giving upon the cross, even for me. This verse 
has all got to do with my life for him and what I'm willing to do for him. But we will consider in the gospel these beautiful closing words. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, that the wonder may touch my heart. Oh, that the wonder may affect you even this afternoon. And that before you leave this car park in your car, these words may be appreciated by you for the first time. You may know them. You may have learned them as a child. In the Sunday school here, you may have heard them many times before, but their import and significance and their meaning has never touched your soul. I trust it will. That hard heart perhaps of yours that would need to be melted and broken. And that sin that is yours, that is perhaps a heavy burden to you, can all be taken away because the Son of God, he loved me and he gave himself for me. What a wonder. I suppose, well, I've been thinking about these words for a number of weeks, but on Monday morning there past, I just uh, happened to be uh, reading an article about the the last words of uh, people of significance in our world. And many of those people, I, I, I'd never heard of them before. It's interesting just to consider the last words spoken by people. These were people of significance who had made their mark in our world and in history who are known, and their words, their last words were written down. There was one, an author in America, a famous author in America, and according to this article, his last words, among his last words were these, that everyone must die, but that he had hoped that he would be the exception and he wouldn't have to die. Everyone must die, but it had been his hope that he would be the exception to the rule. And he wouldn't have to die. Of course, that man knew full well that he would have to be have to die also. And yes, it's a fair Sunday afternoon, but in the preaching of the gospel, we confront the realities of living and dying. We confront the realities of time and eternity, and the fact that you, dear friend, like me, will one day die. You know, it's just been a thing that I've noted. It's amazing just the number of people that have died this year. Many unexpectedly. Many suddenly. Without warning and their last words were never noted down or recorded or remembered. And so we bring to you, just at the outset, the reality of death and of dying. And yes, we all put it to the back of our minds and think that someday in the distant future it will happen to me, but not just yet. And we almost have it in our minds that we'll not be among the people that will die suddenly and unexpectedly. Dear soul, in our meeting this afternoon, death is real. The final moments come. will come to you and come to me. Tell me where will your soul be? Five minutes after you die, maybe you too would like to be the exception to the rule. For we all like to live, and we all like living. 
It's amazing, even my five-year-old youngest son. You know, it's amazing what a five-year-old picks up listening in a gospel meeting. And he told me recently he doesn't want to die. He too would like to live many years to old age. It's a natural thing, you know. But we all must needs die. Under us water spilt upon the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Tell me if today were your last. And the hours of the day are passing. Where would your soul be in the morrow? Are you saved? Are your sins forgiven? Would it be heaven or would it be hell? And yet, I was considering that man's statement. Oh, that he were the exception to the rule. You know, there was one man that lived upon this world. And he was the exception. His life was exceptional. It was very different to your life and to mine. There was never any illness that affected him. There was never any wrong words that came out of his mouth. Or wrong thoughts that encoursed his mind. He was holy. Harmless, undefiled and separate from sinners. His name was Jesus Christ. The very Son of God. And yes, he was the exception to the rule. Death had no claim upon him. And yet we have read in Galatians 2 and 20, the Son of God, he loved me and gave himself for me. And Jesus Christ in Galatians 2 and 20, it talks about crucifixion. And Jesus Christ came into this world not to show us how, to, how, how, how we ought to live, not to be the exception, though he was the exceptional person, without peer, sinless in every detail of his life. And yet the wonder of the gospel was his journey and his purpose and desire in coming here was to die. To die. Death by crucifixion. Oh, the awfulness of it all. The suffering of it all. And my Savior Jesus Christ willingly and voluntarily took that journey to Calvary's cross. You say, why? Because he loved me. And dear friend in the car park, he loves you too. You're loved by God this afternoon. God has an interest and a purpose, and a desire for your life. He longs that that precious life of yours might be saved, might be delivered from sin, its consequences, its penalty, its power, its desires, its lusts, its pleasures, that you might be saved and know peace and joy and satisfaction in him. And so that precious life that was so exceptional was laid down freely and willingly and voluntarily upon the cross. And he gave himself for me. There was one other of those 
famous last word statements that my attention was drawn to. Again, it was the last words of a very wealthy American businessman. And lying on his deathbed, he wrote that despite all his money and success and all his achievements that he had made in this world, There was no one at the end to take his place, to take his illness, and to die for him. He was a billionaire. He had achieved much. He had risen to the ranks in the field in which he worked. Among the wealthies of our world, and yet when it came to the end, he lamented that there was no one he could pay, no price that he could pay, no person that was willing to take his place and to die for him. You think about it. Would you be willing to take the place of another man to die for them? It's not possible anyway, but if it were possible. You know, dear friend, in your sins, that's just what you need. And that's just what you needed. And that's exactly what God has provided in the person of his son. For you understand, dear friend, that the son of God, he loved me. And he gave himself. For me. In the Bible, sin is looked upon as a disease, an incurable disease. In many, many passages, it's looked upon as, as, a, as a leprosy, as a contagion, as that which is unclean, unclean to look upon. Sin is a dreadful thing, a horrible thing, a disease that affects every soul, man, woman, boy, and girl. But I want to tell you that on the cross, Jesus Christ took all that sin upon himself. His own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Did you notice that it was our sins? He had none. Did you notice that it was on his own body, not upon us, and on the tree? Dear soul, whose own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Sin in the Bible is looked upon as a debt, a debt that we cannot pay. As our sin accumulates, so the debt rises. And yet we cannot pay. We do not have the currency to pay with. We do not even have the money to take one sin away. Not even that billionaire could remove one sin, one trace of guilt from his past. And yet the gospel message is, the Son of God, he loved me and gave himself 
for me. He paid a debt I could not pay. He gave his life freely and willingly upon that cross. It was the only price that God in heaven would accept as payment against that debt of human guilt, against the load of the sin of the whole world. John the Baptist pointed Jesus Christ out one day and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What a load of debt. What a load of sin was his to bear. And so Jesus Christ once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. And the price has all been paid by Jesus Christ. I want to tell you his last words among them were these words. It is finished. It is finished. The price is all paid. Paid in full. The work is all done to justify the guilty, to pardon the offended, to clear the sin of the sinner. What a message is this. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I cannot explain it. You may ask, why did he love me? I don't know. I don't know why he loved me. Paul the Apostle, he couldn't understand why he could love him. He was the chief of sinners. In another place, in Philippians chapter 3, he tells us that he was among the religious of the religious. He had climbed the ranks of religion. He was highly motivated in religion. And yet when the bit came, he understood that he was just a chief of sinners. Dear soul, religion will never save you. Good works will never do. You needed someone to take your place and die for you. Remember, dear soul, if you never appreciate his love or value his death, you will pay the consequences for your own sin eternally. You say, but God would never send a person like me to hell. You're right there. He wouldn't. But people go to hell by their own choice. People secure their own destiny. It is not God's desire that you should be in hell eternally, paying the, the penalty for your own sin. But you will go there by your own choice. If you walk by and tread underfoot the work and the worth of Jesus Christ. But Paul reminds us in Galatians 2 and 20 that the Savior who was crucified, he's living. He's living. He's a living Christ. He's alive today. For on that third day, having completed that work, and I tell you, no other could do it. There was none other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. And he, the only one who was able, was the only one who was willing. Thank God he was willing. 
and thank God he was ready. Oh, the wonder of his love. See him coming from above to atone and die for me. Praise him, praise him cheerfully. It was one of all that after considering long time, all day, the love of God, they wrote those familiar words. Could I with ink the ocean fill and every blade on earth a quill and every scribe man ascribed by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky may the love of God affect you may it touch your heart we didn't deserve it had we got what we rightly deserved it would be the payment and bearing the payment for our own sins eternally. But Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. Little wonder that the chorus in heaven is, Thou art worthy. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. These great and mighty men, oh, that one would take my place and die for me. You know, we love to sing that hymn, A Trembling Soul. I sought the Lord, my sin confessed, my guilt deplored. And the chorus, the refrain goes, he took my place, he died for me. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. I want to tell you among the final recorded words of the Lord Jesus were these. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And before the Lord Jesus and Mark's gospel ascended into heaven, he spoke these words and they're true. And again, the gospel message you have heard. That word divine and true, and God again has spoken to your soul. Oh, now what shall I do? The weight and responsibility of the gospel rests with you. God has done the impossible in the person of his son. He has completed the work that saves and saves eternally. But you must do the believing. You must do the resting. You must do the coming. You must do the trusting. Only trust him. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Dear soul, it's for eternity. 
Amazing, isn't it? Life, life ends so swiftly, so suddenly. Life will come to an end for all. Whither bound? Oh, that the appreciation of these words may be yours as they have been of mine. That you may drink them in. That you may believe them to the saving of your soul. That you may consider the greatest person and the greatest love. That you may place yourself among the greatest sinners and appreciate the greatest sacrifice that was ever made by the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank thee for the love of God. We, thank, we remember that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank thee for the gospel message. We pray for all who have heard it and privileged to do so another afternoon. May they take their place as sinner, own their guilt, and trust the Savior, and be sure and ready and right for heaven when the time comes. Part us with thy blessing and in thy fear. Take all home safely, we ask of thee, as we offer thanks for the blessings of this day in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.